This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 12, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Fees paid by merchants to accept credit cards represent a vital source of revenues for credit card companies and provide a great deal of convenience, frequent flyer miles, and other freebies for consumers. So what's happened since those fees have been limited by the so-called Durbin Amendment? Cato's Thea Brook-Knight explains the issue. I used to be able to earn frequent flyer miles on a debit card because I don't use credit cards. Anybody can email me directly if they care about why. Um, Why does Dick Durbin not want me to be able to do that? Well, I think to understand this, we need to get into some of the mechanics of how payment cards work. And by payment cards, I mean debit cards, credit cards, something you have that you swipe or now insert um, when you're trying to buy something. Um, And so... To get into this, if you think about it, when you have a debit card or if you have a credit card where you pay off the balance, have you ever thought about why somebody would offer you that card? I mean, we understand with a credit card, you buy something and you don't pay it off and you're paying, you know, 18, 20 something percent, whatever. We understand how how the credit card makes money on that. But how do they make money if you don't do that? Um, is, and, is it risk pooling? Well, part of the answer is these these interchange fees. The way that the credit card companies make money if you're not paying interest is that they have a deal with the store. Um, a store wants you to come in and spend money, and it's easier for you to come in and spend money if you don't have to always use cash. They want to be able to accept your credit card or your debit card as a way to buy their merchandise. So they have an agreement with one of these card companies um, where they get the you know little thing with a keypad on it where you stick your card in or swipe your card so that they can use that as a form of payment. And the merchant winds up paying a fee to the card company in order to be able to accept that card as a payment. These are called interchange interchange fees. And you know, if you go into one of those really small stores like a gas station or something, sometimes it will say, uh, you know, minimum credit card purchase $5. The reason is that for every one of these transactions, they have to pay a few cents to the card company. And the card companies don't like this. And in many cases, the merchants are not supposed to do this. But they find that it only uh, is economically feasible for them to accept these credit cards if they have a minimum purchase. And you notice that, you know, if you go into a big retailer, if you go to Best Buy, you go to, you know, some national company, they don't tend to have these limits. It's usually these very small companies where the small stores where the margins are much tighter. So um, in Dodd-Frank, which is the gift that keeps on giving, um, everything it seems in financial regulation goes back to Dodd-Frank now, um, there is a provision which is known as the Durbin Am- Amendment, and it was added uh, by Senator Durbin sort of at the last minute um, with a lot of, without a lot of debate um, that directs the Fed to implement rules regarding these interchange fees. And what the Fed has done is effectively set a rate cap. Um, they've set a price cap on the amount that a credit card company can charge for these interchange fees. And the idea was that um, this is going to be cheaper for the merchants to accept these cards um, and they are going to pass those savings along to you, the consumer. Um, That hasn't happened as we might have expected. Um, So so what credit card companies were getting out of uh, providing bennies to mm -hmm. consumers to adopt credit cards as uh, a lifestyle choice Mm -hmm. that you could make – um, they're seeing those particular that particular revenue stream 
squeezed. Yes. And so for people who are merely using a debit card like me, there's there's becomes a, less of a reason for the issuer, say Visa or MasterCard, to give me bennies for using the card. Exactly. And so what we've seen is, you know, it used to be, if you think back to the 90s or the early 2000s, free checking was everywhere. Um, I mean, you know, you, you did not have to have a lot of money. Um, I was a student at the time. I certainly didn't have a lot of money in my bank account. Um, but I remember going in uh, as a college freshman and opening up a bank account. And not only did they give me free checking, they also, I think, gave me a cooler um, as a gift for opening up a checking account. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. So what has happened is that um, the banks are trying to make up their lost revenue. I mean, when you have a when you have price controls on something, the the money doesn't just go away. It's not like there's suddenly less money being spent on things. The company is going to try to uh, get that revenue from someplace else. And so what we've seen is an increase in uh, maintenance fees for bank accounts, um, and. This means that this is really squeezing lower income people more because most banks will still give you free checking if you maintain a certain balance. Um, and these balances, I mean, there's a range, but you know, if you keep $10,000 in the bank, you probably don't pay a fee. Um, if you keep $1,000, you're probably paying a fee. Um, and so that sounds pretty regressive. It is. It is. And so that's, you know, that's where a lot of this is being made up. There's also, you know, other fees. Um, you know, there in some of this, it's not clear exactly where a lot of these fees are coming from or um, how the banks are doing them exactly. But you know, there are a lot of other ways for banks to make money. So, um, overdraft protection is something that's come under fire lately because um, it's supposed to be sort of a stopgap. You didn't realize that your last paycheck didn't clear, and you went and you charged something, or you uh, tried to pay for something with your debit card, and uh, overdraft protection allows that transaction to go through, but then charges you um, a fee, something like thirty-five dollars for that. Um, and so, you know, you see these different examples of ways that banks are making up money um, because, it, you know, they're not going to just take a loss in somewhere and say, oh, well, you know, we had this fee that covered a, a transaction and we're just going to let that money go. Um, and what we're seeing is that there was supposed to also be a carve out for smaller companies and that's not working because of some other provisions. So there's um, the way the rules were ultimately written, um, there was supposed to be this idea that uh, that a merchant couldn't have just one kind of payment system, that there would need to be, it's called the, the routing provision, the routing provision, um, that you had to have competing systems. Um, what happens is that the systems are competing for the merchant. So the merchant will pick the system that best benefits the merchant, but not the one that best benefits the consumer. So the customers used to have some leverage with their companies because the com the credit card companies because they would want to keep the consumers happy to say you know use our system, um, and now that benefit has gone away. So in, in a way, the credit card companies' real customers, uh, once upon a time, were the merchants. And in some way, that has changed a bit. Well, they used to be the cardholders. Um, and now, you know, there is a disincentive for them to, at least for the, you know, what sort of payment system they use, there's less of an incentive for them to woo the customers on that because it's the merchants who ultimately make the decision. 
Thea Brook-Knight is Associate Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.